Hebrews chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. Hebrews 3, 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he, God, grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sin, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Father, almost to a person this morning, we would declare before thy throne, we believe. Yet at the same time, we would pray, help our unbelief. Prepare our hearts now for the fellowship of the table before us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Some form of the English word provoke is found in Scripture 86 times. 55 of those times are found in the Old Testament and come from a single Hebrew word meaning to vex and to make angry. I had a brother, Tom. He knew how to provoke me. Some of you know what it is to have somebody provoke you. Well, the Bible uses the word provoke a number of times. In the New Testament, seven different Greek words are translated by the English word provoke, and they all have their unique uh, slants of meaning. But the original word, as found only in our text, 
is a rare intensive compound word made up of two words, one meaning to make bitter and the other one meaning amiss. Scholars define the word provocation, verse 8, provocation, verse 15. They define the word as incitement beyond bitterness. The appeal before us in Hebrews 3, 7 to 19, uh, flows, as it were, uh, and hinges, as it were, upon our understanding of a historical event called the, capital T-H-E, the, provocation. Again, mentioned in verse 8, verse 15. Uh, this is a part of the ongoing and developing appeal that is made uh, in Hebrews 3 and 4, concerning the serious danger of the sin of unbelief. Now, we usually think about this as it relates to uh, the sin of the unbeliever, the sin of the unsaved man, uh, that which keeps him out of God's heaven and unsecured for eternal life. Uh, But unbelief is indeed an issue in the life of every believer. And if you look at the summary verse here, you have a pretty good idea and indication of what it is that is the major thrust here of this section. Verse 12, take heed, brethren. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God. Verse 12 is a summary of the overriding concern that is going to be forwarded in chapter 3 and then carried into chapter 4. The first word of our text, wherefore, verse 7, pulls forward all the glorious things, says about the person and the work of the Lord Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, superior to the angels of heaven. And as we reviewed most recently, Christ is superior to the Old Testament messenger, the Old Testament missionary from God, the Old Testament mediator, Moses. Believers are, chapter 3, verse 1, commanded to consider, to gaze upon the Lord Jesus and to keep their gaze upon the Lord Jesus as the ultimate messenger of God, missionary from God, mediator between God and man. How appropriate that that emphasis is brought before us as we have the, the elements on the table to take our hearts and our minds right back to the work and the person of the Lord Jesus. Now the particular concern of Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 has to do with the hardening of one's heart towards God. The condition of an evil heart of unbelief, verse 12. And its connection to the clear historical evidence of, verse 19, could not enter in. The link between unbelief, hardening of heart, and not being able to appropriate the gift of God. Those are the overriding thoughts that dominate the working of chapter 3 and 4. The working premise of this appeal is simply stated. The very thing that the Israelites of old did do, the Hebrew Christians in the day in which this was written, were in danger of doing in kind. The sin of unbelief, 
has the very most dangerous consequences both then and now. The ultimate issue is not that we believe in God, but that we believe God. Do you see the difference? It's one thing to say, oh yeah, I believe there's a God. It's another thing to believe God as to believing what God has said and responding to the reality of that which God has said. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11 is a quote of Psalm 95, 7 through 11. 7 through 11 is 7 through 11. Uh, 7 through 11 Hebrews 3 is 7 through 11 Psalm 95. Same exact words. The human writer of Hebrews is compelled of the Holy Spirit to quote the former words from the Holy Spirit to and through the psalmist at a former point in time in which the concern of hardened hearts of unbelief were at issue among the congregation of Israel. The provocation in both Hebrews 3 and Psalm 95, of course, refers to the original act, the historical act, the original rebellion of the Jewish people at Kadesh Barnea. Both Psalm 95 and Hebrews 3 reference the original rebellion of the Jewish people at Kadesh Barnea. God had delivered Israel from Egypt. He had sustained them in the wilderness and prepared them under Moses for a life in the land of promise. They had been taught and they had been trained, as seen in the last hour. God poised the nation for occupation. God had Moses send 12 representative spies into the territory of the land that was to be given to Israel. And when those majority of spies returned and they came back, they gave reports of giants and uh, particular, potentially phenomenal difficulty for the people. And when the people heard that, they rebelled against the promise and the gift of God concerning the land. God said, here's the land I'm giving you. And they were not willing to take it as God wanted to give it because they were, in fact, afraid of the giants. And they were, in fact, afraid of, of, uh, of the difficulties that would be associated with that land. Now, not every Jewish individual person in Israel was a sinful provocateur. You know the name Caleb as one of those 12 spies that believed God and was ready to move forward. As God had said, and of course there was Joshua, the man of God who was ready to move forward as God has said. There were others like Moses and Aaron and, and uh, Miriam who believed God, uh, but the nation as a whole hardened their heart in unbelief. And as a result, verse 19 of chapter 3 of Hebrews says, they could not enter into the land of promise. Why couldn't they? Well, because God was against it. We like to quote the verse of God before you, who can be against you? Well, if God's against you, who can be for you? <laughs> Nobody. And God was against them entering into the land of promise as he'd given it to them because of their sin, the great sin. May I call it the greatest sin, the sin of unbelief. Yahweh met their sinful unbelief with a generational sense of judgment. The original provocation, as cited, led to 40 years of wilderness wandering in the death of a generation of Jewish adults who sinned away 
their opportunity in the design will of God by their unbelief. The psalmist, Psalm 95 is quoted, compelled of the Holy Spirit to write of the provocation in his own generation, made it clear that the same sin of unbelief would have dire consequences sequentially. The rebellion, original. The rebellion, sequential. There was a historical time when, in the life of the psalmist, he wrote concerning the Jewish nation's opportunity to praise and worship the Lord as the great king and God above all gods. They had marvelous opportunity from Yahweh, but that marvelous opportunity from Yahweh must be met with faith and faithfulness to Yahweh. And we know about, enough about the generation that was reflected in the writing of Psalm 95 that they too failed. Now here in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, chapter 3 and 4, the original provocation and the sequential provocation is applied to Hebrew Christians that potentially could evidence the same kind of dangerous sin, the most dangerous sin of all, the sin of unbelief, not taking God at his word. Christians, whether they're Hebrew Christians or not, must believe God. They must continue to exercise faith in that which God has done, exercise faith in that which God has spoken. Now I just quickly broad stroke the whole of this unique second half of the chapter and we'll get into the details of that uh, next week. But for now, in light of the table of the Lord spread before us, I would call your attention to verse 13 and the truth of how it is that you and I can help each other to avoid a hardening of heart in relationship to the sin of unbelief. Here's what 13 says. But exhort one another once a week. No. Resort, exhort one another daily. While it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This morning we briefly speak of the truth of opportunity lost and the dangerous sin of unbelief. The Bible word exhort is likewise the Bible word for one of the titles of the Holy Spirit. Parakaleo. The believer is to do what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is working, is prompting, is encouraging uh, the believer to faith and faithfulness at all times. Likewise, you are to use words. The words that we know about God's word 
God's plan, God's design, God's gift. We're to use those words to speak to one another so as to prevent the aspect of heart hardening even among the aspect of the congregation of the Lord. We're told in verse 13 that sin is very deceiving and that sin aloud hardens the heart against God in the gospel of Christ. Now there's more to this than the usual discussion about professing and possessing, as we're going to see, especially next week. While God made special provision for believing, uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb to enter into the land of promise, other believing individuals missed out, missed out on the opportunity uh, because of uh, widely held unbelief. Uh, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, others we identify as, as being believers in God, and yet they too missed out on the opportunity. My lack of faith, your lack of faith, will hurt you. Lack of faith hurts you. It often hurts others who are placed near you in the will of God. Therefore, verse 13 says that one of the things we're supposed to do uh, for each other is to use our words uh, to uh, negate and to mitigate against heart hardening. Why? Because there's our, there are days in life when when trusting God and simply taking him at his word is not an easy thing. There are days when exercising one is faithful to God is not an easy thing. The people that we usually call unbelievers surely need to hear the gospel truth of Christ and to believe it unto the saving of their souls. But those of us that are known as believers must also remember and continue to believe God in the gospel of Christ. We are to live rightly and victoriously on earth. This is a phenomenal section of the word of God in which believers are addressed concerning their unbelief. In which people that have faith in God recognize the fact that that faith needs to grow. It needs to strengthen. It needs to operate in a way that is glorifying to God. And so verse 13 tells us how it is, in part, that we can accomplish that uh, among ourselves, but exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The application of Hebrews 3 and 4 is to be made for both the saved and the unsaved. On this day in which we show or proclaim the gospel truth of Christ by eating and drinking as prescribed, we must also, and in fact I would argue do also, exhort one another and all in attendance to keep believing God, to keep hearing and appropriating the gospel for life on earth as well as life and eternity future. Every one of us understand that prayer of the troubled man with a very sick child who came to Jesus saying, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. At the table of the Lord, you and I get to say, Lord, we believe. We do believe. We see ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ our Lord. That said, Lord,
There are conditions in life. There are circumstances in life. There are things along this pilgrim path that push us and tempt us to not live in the light of what we know. And so, Lord, today, as we are reminded of the Lord and to the death that he died and the life that he now lives, we pray, declaring, Lord, we believe, but help thou our unbelief. Father, this morning we are